In today's episode, I want to dive into experimentation for those of us living with type 1 diabetes, what it looks like to start manipulating our blood sugars, trying to identify what the patterns look like when we want to have spontaneity, flexibility, or adventure in our lives without blood sugars going crazy, along with a safe way to experiment, not put yourself into any danger as somebody who's been living with type 1 diabetes for almost 13 years and experimenting for the bulk of those years. I want to share with you some lessons learned, how you can experiment safely, and of course, a story to direct us towards that epiphany itself. So without any further ado, let's get into our theme song. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. All right, so for those of you who have been following the journey, uh, I did spend last week in Nashville. I was over at a conference and uh, flew over there. Fantastic time, great people, great conversation. Uh, I go to these conferences at least once a quarter to learn how to better myself so that I can become a better version of me to help you and everybody else with their lives better as well. I gotta be my best so I can help you be your best, right? Uh, so in this conference, I uh, had some great conversations and one of the nights, uh, one of the other uh, members of this kind of club that I'm part of uh, suggested we all go bowling. And I was like, you know what? I haven't been bowling in like a decade. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go for it. Uh, and so we, we had dinner, we wrapped up and uh, drove over to the bowling arena and uh, you know threw our shoes on and just started having a blast, you know, throwing bowling, uh, bowling balls down to the bowling pins. A lot of bowling in this episode. I apologize. But within the first, I don't know, four or five frames of the game, my hand was so ridiculously sore. I hadn't used his muscles in a decade since the last time I've been bowling. You know, my thumb's starting to swell up a little bit and my fingers just kind of spin the ball are getting real sore. Uh, so much to the point where for the second game, I didn't think I'd be able to use my right hand again. So I did the impossible. I actually switched over to my left hand. I am not ambidextrous. Uh, I am not left-handed. And I thought, you know what? Uh, kind of the whole point of bowling is to goof off, have fun with your friends and talk, right? And maybe eat some nacho cheese covered chips or something. So I thought, you know what? Who cares? Uh, if I lose this game, if I get gutter balls all the way through, I'm going to go ahead and just roll with my left hand because we still had another full day of a conference where I'm taking notes. I was like, you know what? I need my right hand to write my notes down. It's the whole point of me flying out here. So I'm going to go ahead, use my left hand, and uh, we'll see how it goes, right? First time I line up, I'm trying to rethink how I walk so that I can get the ball going in the right direction. Like, which foot do I put forward first if I have to end with my left hand? You do the weird dance move with your back foot where it swings behind you, and you, you release the ball spinning, and it, you try to get a strike right. And I'm trying to memorize this, like, reconfigure my brain to operate as a left-handed individual it was difficult i slowly but awkwardly make my way up to the line i take my first step i let the ball go with all of the hope in the world that could not help me because i got a gutter ball <laughs> when you know first line down the ball is just sunk in the gutter which if you don't know what that means it's the worst possible thing you can do it's a fail uh, so I, I laughed it off, looked back at my friends and was like, well, it was my left hand. I tried my best. Right. Uh, and I continued, you know, the next time up, I again, readjusted myself, tried to 
figure out muscle memory on both sides and comparing notes. Like if I go with my right hand, I do that movement. So if I reverse it for my left hand, it should be that movement, right? I'm trying to map it out in my head and what I can expect. And uh, wouldn't you know it? Second one, it makes it halfway down and then it goes into the gutter again. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this game is going to be incredibly painful and embarrassing. Uh, but you know what? I got to stick to it. I got to experiment, see if I can figure this thing out. Uh, so again, my turn comes up. I take one final look at my stance and make a slight adjustment so that I'm lined up properly with the, the left side of the pin. So I know that when I do spin, it's going to turn into that front pin and hopefully, fingers crossed, actually knock a single pin down, right? So I line up, I walk up, I take my two steps, do the whole dance move, foot behind your whatever, and, and make it look good as I can and throw it off, send the ball on its way. And sure enough, I hit the pins. I actually got like seven of them. I was ecstatic. I was so excited. So left-handed, I actually knocked some pins down. I was making progress to these minor adjustments, making tweaks to my stance, to my walk, to the release of the, the bowling ball. Now with each frame, you actually get two tries, right? So I had seven down. I took a look at it and thought, okay, if I just adjust slightly and I move over to the right a little bit, I can get the other three and potentially pick up a spare. And I'm throwing a lot of bowling terms at you. So I hope this is uh, uh, still applicable and useful. But the idea being you want to knock down all the pins, right? So I line up, I use the same strategy as before and knocked it down, collected the spare. I was so excited. I threw my arms up, left-handed, I got the spare. Everyone's cheering me on, everyone's just blowing up. And uh, I realized there was hope. There was actually a chance that I could at least keep up with the other members of this bowling game because none of us were that good, right? Uh, but as the game progressed, I, I continued to get spares. And I realized that if I were to mirror what I do with my right hand and focus really, really hard, make slight adjustments each time I needed to, that I could get consistent bowling uh, lines down to the pins, all the way down to the point where I was getting not only spares, but eventually strikes as well. And keep in mind, I am not a professional bowler. I am not good at this typically, <laughs> average at best, but I'm getting strikes with my left hand. And when I'm not getting strikes, I'm getting spares. I am shocked. I make jokes to everyone. I turn around and go, yeah, I didn't realize my entire life, but apparently I'm left-handed. Everyone died with laughter. I, I was I was having a blast, like class clown, right? And uh, just continued the game, score, stacking on top of each other, getting to the end of the game where I'm 30, 40, 50 points ahead of everyone else. Left-handed with my non-dominant hand, I've been able to not only reassess and adjust my strategy, but fine-tune it to the point where I am consistently knocking pins down without even have to worry about what's going to happen next. I know it's going straight down the line. We're going to hit that pin, right? So we get all the way to the end of the game. Uh, last couple of frames, I continue with this success, blowing it up, and I actually score, believe it or not, the best game of my entire life. I have never performed that well with bowling. Get to the end, I scored a 205. I have no idea how that game ended so well. Beat everybody, blew them out of the water, left on a high note, said, we got to go home because I don't know how I'm going to repeat that. And it was just, it's an incredible thing, right? And I realized that, uh, well, A, I might be actually good at bowling with my left hand, but I also knew that there was a lot of focus and intentionality that went into that. I analyzed every step that I took. I took good notes mentally of what worked, what didn't. I adjusted based on those notes 
to make better decisions and take better actions. There's a lot of effort. I actually took bowling seriously. And I think I realized that part of the reason most of us are not good at bowling is that most of us don't take bowling seriously, right? Because it's a big joke. We all just go there to have fun and goof off. So a couple of different things to pick apart from this lesson learned within diabetes, right off the bat, you learn a couple of strategies and you roll with it. You, you try to just kind of get by, at least I did, right? When I was first diagnosed, it was, hey, how do I dose for carbs? How do I not die and send me on my way, doc? Like I'll, I'll try my best, I'll figure it out. And you stick with that. So for years, I just dosed and went on with my life. If I went low, I had sugar. If I went high, I took insulin. There was no math. There was no specific strategies. It was just a matter of do or die. And that's how I treated it. It wasn't until many, many years later that I realized there was this potential for true control of blood sugars. And that's where it boils down to experimentation. See, uh, I had actually been forced to experiment with bowling, right? My right hand felt like it was uh, crippling, like it was swollen, it was sore, it was incredibly painful. I couldn't even grab my phone. So I switched over my left hand because I had no other option. And then from there, I had to experiment, fine tune, make adjustments to the point where I actually became relatively good at it, right? With diabetes, there was a time in my life where I almost died. And I'm gonna be completely honest with you. There's actually a few times where I almost died. I was, I was reckless when I was first diagnosed, but uh, one of the times was truly scary because I was alone in a foreign country. And I, I actually got to a place where I thought I would not be there the next day. And from that experience, it became necessary for me to experiment, right? I realized that if I didn't get this thing figured out, I might not wake up the next day. I might lead into complications or a less than ideal lifestyle. Even if I didn't die, I just wouldn't be living my best life. And I wasn't okay with that anymore. So in that sense, I was forced into experimentation mode with my blood sugars. Now with diabetes, it, it kind of feels like every day is a science experiment and that the rules change every single day. Can I get an amen? <laughs> because with diabetes, there's so many variables that can impact blood sugars, right? It's like bowling with 50 hands. And you're like, okay, which of these hands am I going to be the best with? You don't know until you try it. But the issue is that every time you try a new hand, you forget which one you just tried. So it's like, well, I guess we'll keep switching things up until you find the winner. But again, with diabetes, oftentimes people will find, quote unquote, the winner and stop experimenting. See, it's like if I found out that I was good with my left hand and I did just this one specific throw every single time, that's where people get locked in. They won't know what to happen. They won't know what to, to do if they ever have a split. Right? And you have to hit the pins in a specific way. They won't know how to pick up the spare if only half of the pins got knocked down. How do I get the other half? I don't know because I only knew how to throw the ball in one specific manner. Right? And with diabetes, when people do their initial experimentation, they find something that works well enough, low carb, keto, vegan, uh, not exercising, only exercising, right? There's a lot of different things people fall into, but then it leads them into this restrictive place where they put themselves in a prison cell of diabetes. And it's like, oh, I found the one thing that works. I'm going to keep doing that until the day I die. Not realizing that life could get so much better, that there's no flexibility when you lock yourself in, that experimentation truly opens up new opportunities, allows us to have freedom within our diabetes management, to have different types of foods, to have adventures and travel the world. Like I went to Nashville, right? That was fun. 
I used to think I couldn't do that because traveling through different time zones makes blood sugars a little bit more difficult to manage. Different cultural foods, different schedules. I was seated all day long, very different for me, right? So if you're not experimenting, if you're not open to experimenting, you're missing out on a huge chunk of life, right? Just as I was missing out on opportunities, who knows, maybe I could have bowled a 300 if I had a bowling expert there to teach me what to do with these different movements. All I knew is I found one throw that worked really well and I kept doing it. <laughs> and so left-handed, I bowled the best game of my entire life. But if I had somebody there to teach me and to give me feedback, I would have learned some new strategies. I would have been able to experiment and adapt even further, potentially creating actual habits and actual skill instead of what I assume was probably just dumb luck, right? So with our diabetes, we have to take that into consideration. Am I locking myself in? Am I closing a prison cell around me or am I open to experimentation? And am I gonna do it safely? And one thing I wanna mention to recall, now I don't want you to forget this piece of this story. When I first started with my left hand, the first two tries, horrible failures, gutter ball, didn't hit a single pin, right? But from those, I was able to learn, adjust, fine tune, and then figure out what I did wrong, what I could do right. See, I actually had a mentor tell me, uh, actually at this event said, the, the second, worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you fail and don't know why the first worst thing that could happen to you is to succeed and not know why because then you're locked in and you don't know how to replicate that process right there's no flexibility with that and then when the succeed uh, or the success stops you don't know how to get back into that success so then you're stuck again but stuck in a routine of failure so if you're failing and don't know why or you're succeeding and don't know why very scary places to be so when i was failing i had to assess and and really dive into what was going wrong analyze my form what happened when the ball went down the lane why didn't it go all the way down the lane and to finally identify which pieces needed to be adjusted so that i could have an actual throw that reached the end and hit the bowling pins now with diabetes, we have a lot of different experiences where we say, okay, I went out and had pasta with my family, blood sugars went through the roof, can't have pasta. Mm, it's not going to work, right? Okay, I, I went for a run because I want to lose some weight. On that run, crazy low blood sugar, had to go drink a juice box, I ended up consuming more calories than I was trying to burn in the first place. It's not going to work. I just, I, I guess I can't lose weight. I'm going to just sit here and, and cry myself asleep because I can't figure this out right? The issue is that we stop when we encounter resistance. And that is the issue at the core. If you stop when you encounter resistance, you will never grow, you will never get stronger. See, this is exactly what the gym is for a lot of people. You think that you go to the gym, day one, you work out, day two, you're going to be shredded, right? You're going to have like a six pack and be super buff and toned and ready to go. No, not the case, right? You have to continually fight through the resistance. So they, they literally call it resistance training. It's because you're putting your muscles through resistance. You're actually breaking down your muscle tissue and then the muscle builds back stronger. That's how muscles grow. You are literally breaking it down and then building it back, encountering challenges and resistance consistently and then building back stronger. So when we encounter resistance, oh, pasta shot, my blood sugar's high. Oh, the run made my blood sugars go low. We don't quit. That's when we make the progress. That's when we grow, build back stronger. You learn from those experiences and that is how we can experiment and actually see results. You gotta take good notes. You gotta analyze what's going on and then make adjustments if you expect to see success. You can't just stop when things go wrong.
See, when I first got that first throw out and it went into the gutter, I could have given up and said, you know what? Bowling's not for me. I suck with my left hand, my right hand, super sore. You guys have fun. But because I pushed through, not only did I figure it out, but I bowled the best game of my life. I'm still getting chills about that. Like (laughs) that was just such a highlight of the trip because it was so unexpected. But that's what lays on the other side of these challenges waiting for you. You have this opportunity to become a better version of yourself, to succeed with flying colors with your diabetes, to achieve that 80, 90, 100% time and range, to bring your A1C down from a nine, eight, seven, six into the fives. But you'll never know if you don't start experimenting, start looking around at what else could be working. What new strategies am I missing out on? There are so many consultation calls that I get on and people don't realize what new strategies are out there. And some of these would sound silly if I told you. People who think that uh, carb counting isn't, isn't helpful. Oh, we don't count carbs. We just take the same insulin at every meal, right? I'm like, oh my goodness. No, no, no. It, it, it's so much better now. But the reality is that you listening to this probably have some form of your strategies that need updating. And the reality of that is that anyone who's not worked with me personally knows that the 80-20 blood sugar formula is one of those next steps. That's one of the newest methods that we use. That was the result of me pushing through that resistance for two years, experimenting safely, yes, but really pushing the limits so that I could learn how our blood sugar is going up and down, learn from my mistakes. Oops, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Oh, I've been 100% time in range for five, six days. Why? Why did that work so well? These are the questions you have to be asking yourself if you want to see success with experimentation. So with that, I want you to understand how this process works, right? Step one, step outside of your comfort zone. Sometimes you're forced into it, like I was with bowling. Injury led me to left-hand attempt, right? Blood sugars, that near-death experience led me into a realization, I need to get this thing figured out before it takes me out, right? But take that first step experiment, but do so in a safety uh, net, do it in a safe environment, right? Understand what you're doing, take only the risks that you've calculated. Uh, Obviously, this is not medical advice, don't do anything stupid. But if you have someone guiding you who also has a proven process, you can have confidence that what you're doing is safe because anyone who tells you they have a proven process doesn't want to get sued, right? (laughs) They're probably going to have both your best interest in mind, but selfishly not want to get in trouble. This is going to be your doctors, your endos, your coaches, your experts. Uh, This is the same thing that we do, right? We have a proven process that works. So we use that to teach you things. Uh, But within that, from that first step, experimenting with my, my bowling throw, but also with my blood sugars, both of those failed miserably the first time did not go well. But did I stop when I encountered resistance or a challenge or did I try to learn from my mistakes? That's the key. That's the differentiator initially. Now, from there, you got to find something that does work and figure out why it works. That's where most people stop on the second tier with diabetes. They find a diet that works. Great. Stick to that diet. Nobody move. We'll be okay. Right. That's not how you're meant to live your life. Life is so much more than living inside of a diabetes box. What you want to do is craft the strategies that allow diabetes to fit into what you want your life to be, right? So build the life you love and the strategies that support that with your diabetes instead of restricting your lifestyle to a tiny box that says, okay, if we don't move, diabetes is going to be okay. That's not how life was meant to be lived. So you have to learn from your mistakes, 
learn why things are successful when you do start encountering that. And then from there, take good notes, analyze and implement new strategies as they enable you to live your best life, win bowling games, but also, yes, enjoy food, get out and exercise, travel the world, or even have a day where blood sugars don't bother you, right? Where you can sleep through the night, focus on your family, your work, your hobbies, whatever it is, without having to worry so much about the what ifs of blood sugars, right? Now, if you're in a diet that you're locked into, if you're in a schedule that you're locked into and you're happy, fine, I got nothing for you. Right? I want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy. Those are the two things. But if you're realizing now after hearing this that getting locked into a specific diet or a lifestyle or choices or routines isn't serving you well, and you're like, man, I really would love to have some pasta or some breads or some pizza or some ice cream or whatever it is and not be locked into this little diabetes box, it's time to start experimenting. This is your sign. Okay, trust me, the, the greatness that you're after is on the other side of resistance, of challenges, of obstacles that we will accomplish, uh, that we will have to overcome through life in any realm of life, but especially with diabetes. The more you lock yourself in, the more trapped you're going to feel, but it's going to be a subconscious feeling. You're going to have this overwhelming dread or uh, sadness or depression about diabetes and frustration and not know why. The reason is that you don't have it truly controlled. It is controlling you and it's dragging you down with it. I've experienced this before, so I know exactly how you feel. And I can tell you that when you start experimenting, it's going to be a rocky road at first. It's going to feel like you're not making any progress. It's going to feel like you're throwing gutter balls. But if you stick with it and try to learn from your mistakes, I promise you that it's going to start becoming more clear. Now, that road, experimenting every single day, documenting, researching, trial and error, still took me personally two years to get this thing figured out. Now, if you have that time, uh, I've, I've spoken with other people who wanted to go their own routes, and it, they told me it took them about five plus years to start getting some semblance of control and understanding of all of the different factors. But if you don't have that time, or you just prefer to get the shortcuts, right, and get the answers faster, we do have openings to work with us, and that is something that I can help you with. But I do want you to understand we cannot help everyone and uh, not everyone appreciates our process because it is hard work. You know, you actually have to learn about your diabetes and that that's a whole thing that not a lot of people are ready to take responsibility for. There's a lot of people out there that have this victim mindset of like, oh, life's not fair. And I, I didn't ask for diabetes. Well, neither did I. <laughs> you think anybody asked for this? No, but we can't change it. So might as well learn how to live with it and how to live our best lives instead of being stuck in the same place, throwing gutter balls over and over and over again, or worse, quitting the game because you know your hand hurts. Can't have that. So if that's something you're looking for more info on, the process that I worked my own way through and what I guide my clients on is something called the 80-20 blood sugar formula. And no, this isn't uh, an 80-20 split for an extended bolus. <laughs> I get that question all the time. It's actually a mathematical formula that simplifies the entirety of diabetes management down into a predictable and consistent formula for you to use to accomplish stable blood sugars through different types of foods. If you want to have more carbs or more proteins or more fats or fibers, however you want to eat. There's a formula for that. If you want to be more active, go play sports, play with your kids, travel the world and walk through Europe. There's a formula for that. And these processes that we use, we teach our clients, it simplifies it, it makes it more predictable and consistent. And it's actually a free training on the exact process that I went through 
over the course of those two years that I made into a training. You can find that training only at diabetesinaction.com. You probably figure out why you called it that, right? We're living with diabetes in action, not in a box. I'm against that. That's how I used to live. It's not cool. It sucks not being able to eat the good foods or run when you want or go travel the world. If you want freedom, you're going to have to learn how to live with diabetes in action. So if that's you, it's a free training. Go check it out. Look at the process that I went through. Obviously, you can take that training and run with it. Try and do it on your own. I encourage it if that's what you want to do. Or if you want some guidance, some help, or even just to ask some questions, there is an opportunity to hop on the call with us at the end of that video and see how that could be customized to you, what that process looks like, right? So again, the free training is over at diabetesinaction.com. It's only for my action takers. If you're just somebody who's like trying to complain that life isn't fair, you're probably not ready to put the work in for your diabetes. And that's okay. It took me a couple of years to get to a spot where I was ready to put that work in. But if you are ready to start investing into your health, uh, even mentally, right? This is a big load to learn about diabetes. I invite you to go check it out. So go over there right now over to diabetesinaction.com. I'll see you over there. I hope this one was helpful for you. Then let's get to experimenting so that you can start unlocking the different levels of freedom with your type one diabetes. All right, if you have not yet, be sure to subscribe. I wanna see you in these videos every week. Love seeing you guys in the comments. Have an amazing rest of your week and keep up the fight.